This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. On this episode, Callum Woodger's gone, so they've brought me, Tom Duffy, out of mothballs. Is that a good thing? You'll find out. And of course, it's the Derby. Who's going to win? Welcome! I'm Tom Duffy, and I'm back. It's not quite Schwarzenegger style, it's more Templeton Wood than uh, Hollywood, but it's nice after an absence of pretty much two years, certainly on the presenting side, to be back and joining me uh, in podcasting this week are Ewan Smith, a man I know from another parish, not this one, and <laughs> my old mucker from the telly, George Cran. Welcome, gentlemen. Hi, Tom. Hi, Tam. How are you getting on? Good to see you again. I'm getting old. You just you look as young as ever. George, oh, thanks very much. You've all, George, you've always looked old. You've always had that sort oh, of that, that veteran sportsman look about you. But enough of my nonsense I've for uh, about been you. Been learning from you, mate. It's Derby Week. First time in my my maths isn't good as you know. Getting the score right is a, was usually a task enough for me. But first one for twenty months. And the first thing, in a general sense, we've got to say, is it going to be nil-nil? Because they both drew nil-nil last week. I know, and the Edinburgh derby was nil-nil as well. So Yeah, nil-nil seems think, to be a popular score just now. Uh, so fingers crossed it's better than uh, the one at Tynecastle. Although the goalies were good in that. I don't, I don't know about you, George, but my, my nil-nil was actually quite an entertaining nil-nil draws, nil-nil draws go. You know the, the Dundee United game down at St Mirren, so... Plenty of chances, but just nobody could put the ball in the back of the net. There's the same at the ends. So, fingers crossed, somebody on Sunday manages to put it in either their own net or the other net. But just anything will take Why much. is that? Is it an early season? Is it, is it just an early season thing? Well, I'll, I'll take that in terms of from a Dundee United perspective. So, down at St. Mirren, Mark McNulty had an amazing chance. Uh, down at Paisley I mean he was one on one with the keeper and he had an age to think about where he was going to put the ball away and I thought this is an absolute certain goal and then you look away for a split second and the ball's like gone wide to the target and I think he's a confidence player like a lot of strikers are and, and you can tell that his confidence in front of the goal just isn't there yet he's not scored for eight games um, but the derby's the best game to get a goal in, isn't it? You know, you get off the mark in the derby, like if Lee Griffiths gets off the mark in the derby, that would be his Dundee career off and flying. And I think it might be the same for Mark McNulty. You know, he's clearly um, a striker of international class, um, as Tam Court said. I mean, he's got two caps for Scotland. And I think Sunday's the game for either him or Lee Griffiths to really show that international class. Yeah, you, you mentioned that uh, McNulty chance. He ran through like a boy that was going to score. And... I mean, I, I think it clipped it outside of the post, didn't it? it just there was that, and I mean, watching watching the highlights, uh, Peter Pollock, another guy who you always fancy to finish. I, I tend to, my memories of Peter Pollock, Aberdeen and United, where it, where I saw most uh, was a guy. If his problem was maybe getting into the position at times, not mm-hmm. executing once he was in that position. But I mean, he skied one from the edge of the area. The, that he looked perfectly balanced and ready to shoot. Yeah, that that was a particularly bad miss. I do remember that. I mean, he was he wasn't anywhere near the target with that. And I think the key the key phrase is a lack of composure. That's what Dundee United were missing in front of goal on on Saturday. Elmari Niskanen um, was clean through on goal and 
had a chance in two minutes, but he blasted over. You can forgive him. I mean, he's, he's only two minutes into his Dundee United career when that happens. But Pollock, they've got the goal seemed to open up from on the edge of the box, and yeah, he didn't connect properly. But Tam Kurtz was at pains to to mention the fact that if Dundee United had taken their chances, they could have won comfortably and they would have been off and running. And I do tend to agree with him, but equally, St Mirren had quite a lot of chances as well. So they were quite lucky that the goal he made a great save. Carson had a great save at the end, didn't he? But I take the the Tam Kurtz point that if they'd have taken their earlier chances, they might have been out of sight by then. Yeah, I think so. And I think Carson, to me, he's, he's, he exudes confidence, you know, in goals. He, he's, he looks like the defence believe in him. Um, and I know he's only he's only early in his Dundee United career, but and he's got a big challenge to try and get the, the gloves off of Seagrist on a permanent basis. But he's started really well for Dundee United. He's got three clean sheets in his last four games, including a, an appearance for Northern Ireland. And... I spoke to him after the game and he and he talks with the confidence, the air of confidence that you expect from a, a goalkeeper that believes in their ability. So um Seagrass could be back at the weekend fitness wise, but I'd I'd be interested to see whether Tam Kurtz decides to to say, No, Carson, you've done really, really well. You're keeping the jersey at the moment. Be quite harsh on Carson as well, wouldn't it? You think that the way he's been playing. Obviously experienced goalie as well. Yeah, I think I think you're right, George. I mean, I mean, it's very hard to turn around to somebody and say, "Well, you've been doing your job brilliantly for the last three or four <laughs> games." But I'm sorry, sorry, we, we always fancy this guy better. I mean, I spoke to Trevor Carson after the game, and he was he's very diplomatic with it. He knows his role at the club. He knows that he's been brought in essentially as a backup keeper to who, uh, Seagrist, who is clearly a fan's favourite, and some of the Dunn United fans will be delighted. Um, almost delighted that he was injured over the transfer window and there was no chance of him ever moving over the transfer window. But um, he knows that that's his place, but clearly he's ambitious as well. I mean, he's played over 300 games, you know, in his career. And that's allowing for the fact he's had uh, serious injury problems and illness prob- problems over the last few years, Carson. Um, so, yeah, I think it would be harsh to take yeah, it off I, him. I mean, I was in, it was possibly even one of your stories, Ewan, that I read over the weekend that United might take a gamble on uh, Seagrist for the derby but like you're saying the first thing I thought is was I can understand why Seagrist is the number one I think I, uh, if I was a club with money and needing a goalkeeper I'd have gone for him even if he had he, he, as long as I knew this injury wasn't going to be months and months but at the same time when, when you've got a guy of Carson's ability and experience here is it, wor- is it worth throwing in is that do you not have Carson because you can take time to get Seagrist fully fit again and absolutely, and absolutely, Tam. Absolutely, Tam. And the thing is, I mean, how many clubs have got a backup keeper that's a current international goalkeeper? I mean, how how many really? How many clubs? Yeah. I mean, I've got that. It's it's. I mean, Celtic would be crying out before they got Joe Hart. They'd be crying out for keepers of both a Seagrass quality and Carson's quality. And I know that Carson in the past, historically, when he was at Motherwell, was linked with a move to Celtic. You know, he's he's a top class goalkeeper and. He's not going to make life easy for, for Benji, let's put it that way. Um, yeah. And I think, reading some of the comments from some of the Dundee United fans over the weekend, I mean, I think that they're quite happy with what he's doing just now. And a lot of them are saying, don't rush Benji back. They, they don't want him to come back and maybe come back too soon and get yeah. injured too soon. And I, I think Carson will be in goals on Sunday, even if Seagrist is fit. Aye, I mean, it, I, mean it, I must have been looking from further away than you two are, are these days. When Carson signed, I assumed they, they were signing the replacement before the departure. Uh, and 
I, 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 I wouldn't understand it. And I suppose another thing that's maybe worth raising is this is the first time Seagrass has been out with an injury. So you never know how players come back from injuries. So uh, mm. I would be surprised if they make that change. I suppose, I suppose the one thing is that they've got uh, the fullbacks injured. Uh, Ryan Edwards, did he come off injured as well? So it's a lot. Of, if, if Smith and Edwards are out as well, it's a lot of changes to to the defence, isn't it? Yeah, I think that I think there is that. I mean, Edwards Edwards was playing a more central role at the weekend, but yeah, he did come off injured. And uh, Mark Connolly is another one who's come uh-huh. back from a long term injury, and he came on for the last few minutes. And he, I mean, he's just back, and again, he's another person I spoke to at the weekend, and he was he's desperate to get back playing. But again, he's another one that knows his place. He knows he's ready for the derby. I've called upon, but he's not going to uh, go in a cream puff if he's not picked because he understands how they, they play. But yeah, if Smith, it was. Tam Kurtz wasn't entirely clear about what the situation was with Smith but he seemed to be suggesting that Smith might be fit enough to play in the derby on Sunday so whether or not that's changed over the last day or so I don't know He's a lad that doesn't miss many games Mm -hmm. so you think he'll probably have a chance but it's it's and interestingly enough with with the disruption whether it's guys like Seagrass missing games or other guys missing training United don't give away a lot of goals do they? Yeah, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, George will maybe, uh, from a Dundee perspective, he might he might know whether Dundee are likely to breach the the defence, you know, or not. You know, obviously they didn't get a goal at the weekend, but Lee Griffiths is a is, is one one incredible goal scoring striker, and Dundee United will have to be very careful to look after him, will they, George? Uh, absolutely, he looked. He was pretty rusty his first game of the season uh, the weekend, but you can see the fear in the defenders. As soon as he gets the ball and the, the anticipation from the Dundee crowd, particularly when when he got the ball in the box, that someone was going to happen. So it's definitely something United will they'll have to try and get to grips with them. That have to wait and see if they'll be up against Paul McMullen, whether he'll be fit. He's he'll be another one, and obviously being a former United man, he'll be keen to steering it back to United. Uh, yeah, adeptly. <laughs> How did Niskanen look? Niskanen, I, I think he's going to be a really good signing to be honest, I think the Dunyan United fans are extremely excited about him because they've all, like like we all have they've looked at the YouTube clips and seen that he's scored goals of all the scripts, you know he's, he's scored three kicks into the top corner from 25 yards, he's he's cutting from the, the edge of the box and had a low drive in, he's scored a, a penalty box goal, um, he's set up quite a lot of chances, he got on the ball quite a bit but didn't quite have the cut on the edge but I think United's They've been crying out. I mean, for, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of the big complaints last season from a Dun United perspective was, even though they had all these strikers on paper, they didn't look like a very attack-minded side. Um, I think Tam Kurtz is true to his word. He, he promised they would have an attack-minded side, and they look attack-minded. You know, they had Paula on one side, they had Niskanen on the other side, and I think that with McNulty as the focal point, I think that will get goals, and I think Niskanen will will be a great provider of goals as the season goes on. I would I would expect him to get double figures of assists this season um, if he plays the way he does. I think he, he's got the ability. But, I mean, don't forget they've got Louis Apri as well. And he's a young player who's probably come back a lot quicker than was anticipated. And he came on for the last half an hour on uh, on Saturday. And again, he looked like he was direct. He was, he was willing to link up with his teammates. And I think United, from an attacking perspective, with Niskanen coming in, I think they've, they're far more exciting to watch than perhaps they were last season. 
So Niskanen's no finished then. Is that it? Oh, he's only 28. I, I couldn't help well, He's it. not even 28. That's the last time we're allowed to say that in this podcast. Well, ever, actually, I think. since you're coming away with the corny stuff, George, the real reason there is the matter in Niskanen is, although it's his Derby debut, he does have a very tenuous link to the Dundee Derby. Uh, and I love I love this one. I was I was looking at his record just before coming on, and where where was it? Ingels, Ingolstadt. He was in yep. Germany. He, he had a team. He had a teammate at Ingolstadt whose name, whose first name was Kanija. What his name? Wait wait a minute. I need to read this. <laughs> That's just Tab just trying to get Kenija again. And he's it, right, I've it? got to. It's in my contract. His name is <laughs> he's, the boy's name is Kenija Janola Elva, and all I can think about that and that he is he is named after Kenija and David Janola, and all I can <laughs> think about that is his first words must have been "Thanks very much, Dad." <laughs> no, putting the pressure on. Uh, it sounds yeah. like one of these generated names that you get when you're playing football manager <laughs> and you get to season 2028 <laughs> and they've run out of players that are real and they just put names together. Well, on, on that note, I, I've just read a story about Osman So in Thailand and the player he replaced in his team is called John Baggio. <laughs> it's his actual name named after Roberto Baggio. So. Uh, did I tell you I've, I've changed my name to Tamar Ronaldo? <laughs> Which I've, seen, I've seen you with a ball at your feet before, Tam. I'm not I sure know. if that's an accurate description or not. I'm sure it's not. But uh, to go to go back to the derby, it's also, I mean, it, it's Tam Court's first derby uh, as a manager now. It must have helped him, the win over Rangers and the big game atmosphere and stuff like that. But it's always a test uh, for whether it's a manager or a player going into their, their first derby. And then... Um, Mac, I'm, 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 I'm I watched the Rangers game and racking my brains, but there was, what, what was that away support like that day? I think, I, I think for me, I, mean, I wasn't actually at the game. I was watching that on the television as well. But all I could hear was the Dun United yeah, fans, and I think, I think you're right to point that out. Though I think that's that game for me is a pivotal moment in Tam Court's early career as manager of Dun United because I think there was. It was a point where he won over a lot of doubters, you know, because that, I mean, Rangers hadn't lost in 41 games and they were champions and, you know, nobody, they seemed like they were going, they were going to steamroller the season again and, and he put the brakes on that very sharply and I think it was a combination of the fans being louder than ever before, the players responding to that and then the fans getting another lift off of the way the players were playing and if they bring that sort of spirit into the game on, on Sunday, um, They've got a very good chance, and I think it's a point that Charlie McGrew made last week about the club almost that okay, it was three points, and every game's three points, and they always say a win's a win, but it was so much more than that. You know, they brought the club all seemed to come together at that point, and whether it's a one off or not, we'll wait to see. But if they replicate that on Sunday, it will be difficult for Dundee. Yeah, so it was actually what I remembered from that Rangers game. I had a wee, a wee inkling that the, some of the Rangers players that this was their first taste of crowds in Scotland were a wee bit, oh, the crowds are, yeah. you know, nah. the United crowd was really up for this this game because it's Rangers. And maybe uh, as well as they did last season, this was the first time it brought home to them that how hostile it can be if there's a, if there's a big home support. And uh, likewise, the, the Dundee and United players will hear that opposing the fans and that I just wonder if that might be something that sort of grabs them the ones that are in their first derby uh, that 
oh, there's a bit. I mean, United players aren't really used to going out at Tannadice, a lot of them, and hearing yeah. the away fans have a go at them. Mm. Uh, and that's always a thing about the Derby, particularly as they run out because they've got they've got the Dundee fans above them. Yeah, well, I think it might be just shot shy of three thousand Dundee fans. I think, or the amount of tickets they've they've been given or sold, and you know, sold them all. So I'd, there will be an element of that. Um, that I watched that the United game on TV as well, and I, all I can remember is hearing the United fans. Yeah, and obviously when mm-hmm. Jimmy Robson scored, and then. Moment I, I remember is towards the end when the young lad's name escapes me um, came off the bench and blocked. It was just blocking a throw in, but the crowd went absolutely bananas. And you, you feel like that's the sort of thing that sees a sees a team through in a big game like that. And they, they might just need that on Sunday. George, I don't know about you, but I, I made this point when we were talking to Charlie McGrew last week as well that. I'm going to games now and the fans are turning up. It's like every single fan's bringing that extra 50% with them that they had mm-hmm. pre-COVID time, you know? So so the kind of level of atmosphere we were getting pre-COVID times, you can then add an extra 50% onto that. And that's why, I mean, that stadium was only half full, Tannadice, for that Rangers game. But the noise and the sound and the passion from the fans really did act as a spur. Whereas pre-COVID times, you'd be thinking, oh God, this place is, you know, it's, it's yeah. terrible. You know, it's like a morgue. You know, it's there's there's no sound in here at all. Well, it's just been so long away. That's the, it's kind of relief mixed with excitement that people are back in, seeing their team and shouting at the opposition. So do you think we'll have an incredible atmosphere then and on Sunday because yeah, of definitely. that? I, th- I think it'd be great. You know what I've noticed? Funnily enough, I, I would maybe in a minority here, but when they, when they went to no crowds, I didn't miss the sport, especially to me as, as someone who watches most of his football on TV these days. Especially watching English games. I, I've always thought English games, there's often lulls in the crowd anyway. But mm. since the crowds came back, those lulls are missing now. They're, like you say, yeah. the fans are bringing something extra because they're so happy to be there. And the noise is almost constant uh, yeah. in a way that it wasn't before. I, I think I'm, I'm, I went to so many games last season without fans and... I found it really depressing to be honest with you and I could not wait for the first game and the first game I went to with fans was was down at Kelty Hearts when Kelty were playing Breakin in the Pyramid Playoff and even just the sound of 250 Kelty Hearts fans cheering on the fact they'd won a corner was like music to my ears when I heard that so so go, to go in the bigger stage the bigger crowds and see and see how passionate and determined they are what a difference it makes and I, I think mm-hmm. players are getting a big lift from this I think they're their standards have, have raised because they they they're realizing they've got people watching them and people that you know. Whereas before it was like, well, we're playing here, but are we really playing for anybody here? Right, chaps. Time now to move to the other side of the street. George, keep hearing Dundee are playing well. Keep seeing from highlights and uh, clips. They look they look like they're playing well. Uh, they look like they look like a decent Premier League team to me. But as James McPake said at the weekend, if you're not winning, it's not good enough. Yeah. Well, they've certainly not looked out out their depth anyway. Um, you look back at all the games, the Samaritan game, they could have won that. They're a bit unlucky with the, well, the, it was definitely a red card, but they're a bit unlucky with the penalty, from what I can remember. Yeah. Um, the Hibs game, they could have won that. The Mullerwell game, they were by far the better team down at Mullerwell and lost 1 0. Again, on Saturday against Livingston, they were the better team. They had the better chances. Couldn't put any of them away. Um, ended up 0-0. Livy came on to a game a wee bit at the end, but 
Yeah, it's it's frustrating times at Dens Park because they're playing well enough to win these games. But they seem to be creating reasonable chances too. Yeah, and you're thinking adding somebody like Lee Griffiths so it should be the the final piece of that jigsaw. Although, he, as I mentioned before, before that he looked pretty rusty, um, although extremely dangerous still. Um, it, it feel to me, it feels like once they get one, they might be up and running and they'd be flying but the worry is how long it goes on whether it comes on Sunday or it comes yeah. later on because obviously they played Livy and Mullowell the last couple of league games and those are two teams that I would I would think Dundee should be looking at winning uh, both those those games Mullowell are up in fourth now Livy have been struggling so that's my worry is that this is going to come in at harder games aye it's funny that you mentioned Griffiths there the Saturday lunchtime. Uh, I don't know where I was, but I came in, switched on the TV just in time to see his old mate from Celtic, Odson Edward, come on yeah. uh, for Crystal Palace. Got the ball, moved it, took a shot. went. He's a foot away from the defender. Went through the guy's legs into the corner. No pace on it. And then I saw the highlights of the Dundee game. Griffiths did the same thing, hit the defender's leg. Yeah, it's these fine margins and wee bits of luck, I suppose. I Dundee haven't had that much luck. They've had a couple of uh, questionable oh, penalty decisions that could have went either way. I would say that have gone against them. They've had a couple of red cards and stuff, and COVID's hit them and injuries. They, they haven't had the best of luck, but they've still been playing well. I think the, the big thing for them, obviously, they want Griffiths playing and they want him closer to his, his match sharpness as he can be but the big thing for me is seeing Paul McMullen whether he's going to be back because um, he's been such an important player for them he's, and obviously going up against his old team I'm, I'm, I'm sure he'll be determined to put on a show in front of the Tanadice crowd that would be really interesting to see if United can get a hold of him I was going to ask you that George how, how do you think he would handle that if he is fit to play how do you think he'll handle that you know going to Tanadice I don't think he'll have any trouble to be honest Um He's quite a down-to-earth kind of lad. He doesn't... It's a very sort of level. And when you speak to him, yeah. it's, it's hard to tell if he's if he's happy <laughs> or he's, he's sad. He's yeah. quite philosophical, isn't he? He is. He's, but he's, he seems like a different player for Dundee than he was at United. Um, I, I don't know. Obviously, United saw good, a lot of good stuff from him in the championship and he set up Shanklin for a lot of his goals. Um, but he seems to really stepped it up with Dundee. I don't know whether it's the way Dundee play that suits him because they, they go out and out wingers now that they've got him in, on one side and they've had McGowan and McCowan and Yakubiak uh, doing the, the other side. Um, but his pace just brings so much threat to the other side that they drop back a good few yards, and that gives space for guys like Chal Adams. Not going to be playing, but it gives space for guys like him in the middle of the park. Um, so I think even beyond just getting the ball and running at people and putting crosses in and hitting shots and stuff, I think losing that real pace takes away a lot of the threat uh, from Dundee. Of that's the way the opposition might look at it, and they might step up a couple of yards and constrict the space in the middle. How big a miss is Adam? I think his personality, obviously, his um, qualities. We all know his quality. The, the swinging those crosses in from deep, uh, it's been a, a real asset. Um, 
but I think it's more his his attitude and what he brings to the team as a leader that would be missing. Uh, he'll still be around. He's uh, as far as I'm aware, he's going to be helping from the stand, uh, helping James Pick and, and the coaching staff. Uh, see what you can see from there. Um, don't know how that might, that might go if he's sitting at anywhere near United fans. Don't know. That might be interesting. But um, no, I think I think he's obviously got set piece ability and things like that but he's also sometimes people don't really notice how much of a physical presence he is in the middle of the park he's really strong gets the foot stuck in sometimes a bit much likes a booking to be honest but um, I think he'd be gutted he's missing as well he's, it's, this is one of the games he's been looking forward to do, do you think it, do you think I mean Tom's making the point how big a miss he'd be He's a big game player, Charlie Adams yeah. as well. We saw we saw that in the playoffs. I mean, I mean, he really came into his own in those uh, the playoffs to get promoted, didn't he? You know, he was really he really got it by the scruff of the neck. And do you think that that's the kind of thing you miss in a derby? Is that that kind of attitude? You know, maybe when the chips are down in a derby match, when it's not going your way, and you've got a player around there that's a leader in the middle of the park that's that's lifting everybody, not necessarily by what they're doing on the ball, but just by going round and encouraging and motivating everybody. Definitely, it's and. As you say, he's a big game player. He really enjoys the big games, but I think he would. Uh, this would have been an even a higher level for him being at Tannadice and and showing uh, putting on a performance in a derby at Tannadice and helping his team win would would be huge for 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 Chell Adam, I would imagine. Um, but they've got to find a way to play without, and obviously they've got other big uh, personalities, Paul McGowan. I would expect probably be in the team. Uh, he's obviously played a lot of derbies in, in his time. He brings a, a different sort of presence, but um, they've got a few around. It's going to be a lot of energy in the middle of the park. You've got Byrne, Max Anderson, um, Callum Butcher, Harks, others in there. Is, is that going to be the yeah. key area? I think so. I'm interested to see Byrne, who wins out of Byrne and Butcher to me. They may, might not be face-to-face, but they both do a, a similar kind of job with the kind of defensive side of thing. You can put in the old uh, reducer tackle. Yes, I was going to say, much, yeah, they do a similar yeah. job. Basically, <laughs> put, put a tackle that leaves something on the good player of the other yes. team in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that happened on Saturday with Butcher. And I, I like Butcher. I like players like I that. I like Butcher. Butcher for me is... Butcher for me is an enforcer. You know, he's a, it's, the, it's the role that Scott McTominay does so well for Scotland and, yeah. and Man United. You know, he, he, he doesn't let anyone pass them. And, and we're not talking about United here, but I'll talk very quickly about them. But when, when they played against Hearts a few weeks ago, he was on the bench and he just signed a new contract. And the United uh, midfield was getting overrun by the Hearts midfield. But as soon as he came on, and as soon as Hearts came on, who was also on the bench that day, what a difference he made. So I think that they're key from a United perspective in that midfield battle that you're talking about. I'd have loved to have seen Butcher and uh, and Charlie Adam, although obviously different styles of player, but the great thing about Butcher is he is no respecter of uh, <laughs> re- reputation. And uh, as much as Charlie Adam would, would, would admire his skill, he's not. He, he was never afraid of a battle either, so it would have been good to see them. But uh-huh. equally, likes of Byrne, Anderson... Um, their battle with Butcher will be uh, interesting. That definitely, well, I fully expect Butcher to chop somebody in the first ten minutes. But I think Burn could do a bit of that 
himself, but is that you've been for me watching all the laddies, game. George? <laughs> What's that? Is that you've been protective of your laddies? It's a derby. That's what you're meant to do. I know. Well, you're not allowed to do it anymore. That's the thing. Modern football time. You get. Right. Ewan's maybe just old enough, but I'm old enough someday. to remember when the rule of a derby was the first half an hour yeah. went by and then <laughs> yeah. the referee put the ball on the park. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, Tam. I, I, think, I think players, when they start a derby way back then, it's just basically first 10 minutes. Get out there and let him know you're on the park. Yeah. yeah. And then and then, and then, and then, and then you, you really know whether he's going to shrink like a little... Uh, I don't know, like a little violet shrink a little way, or if he's going to turn into somebody that's going to be an enforcer and really be up for the game, you know? So well, That's um, what I'm looking forward to. That I, you look at the two midfields that are likely to start, and there's nobody in there, particularly from a Dundee point of view, you'd think it would, would be a shrinking violet any any time. I think we should be added, having professed a love of the physical side. I think uh, Callum Butcher and Sean Byrne in particular are two players who know how to let their opponent be well aware that they're on that park and they've got a physical battle, but but they do it they, they do it away, and it's not always quite within the law. But it's not these ones where they're off their feet and they're mm. endangering guys. They go there, no. they're going hard and physical, but they're not. As I say, uh, there's no stretcher required after it. But boys, as you had says, boys are thinking, "Whoa, <laughs> I've got I've got ninety minutes where I'm going to be counting bruises at the end of it," and and there's nothing wrong with that in a physical game. Well, well, there was a stretcher needed on Saturday, I'm afraid to say. Um, Craig Sibbald got, uh, came off worse than a 50-50 with Sean Byrne. Uh, just one of these things that happens. But uh, no, in terms of on the ball, uh, for me, Byrne's been Dundee's best player. I think I think he's been superb in the middle of the park. Um, and he'll, he'll have a big part to play. Um, Defence too, for... Dundee obviously kept their clean sheet the weekend. That was the first time. That was important for them. Managed. I think the defence has been come under the cosh for a while, just because they could see quite a lot of goals last season. Got it together towards the end of the season, and a lot of fans were worried that they might fall back into their old ways with some of the goals they've been conceding. But is that Dundee's issue? Is Dundee's defensive issue a manager's nightmare in that? For 85, 86, 87 minutes, they look a strong unit. But uh, through the other scattered throughout the 90 minutes, the other two or three minutes, there's there's errors. There's, rather than look vulnerable every time the opposition gets mm. the ball, they, they make mistakes. And that's that must be a nightmare for James McPake to sort out. That was certainly the case last season. Uh, and eventually they, they sorted out um, and, and got a pretty... It was a pretty settled back four towards the end obviously Jordan Marshall got injured but that's something they've not managed to have yet this season is have even well I think Ashcroft's played every game the goalie Legstons has played every game but the rest of the positions have all changed at certain points I think that's been something that's been missing and so Ashcroft yeah. still got that well he has got that attacking threat when we're going forward for set pieces as well because I mean that was a that was a trademark of his play last season in the championship, wasn't it? Yeah, certainly. And Dundee, well, Dundee's a team were very strong set set plays because between Ashcroft and Fontaine, they got double figures in goals. Um, one thing they were missing on Saturday was they didn't have Charlie Adam delivery from one side and Paul McMullen's delivery from the other. Uh, Paul McGowan was on bench, and he'd be the next one. Thought as well, Livingston handled Ashcroft well. There was a couple of there was a couple of moans, if you like, from Dundee and him yeah. for penalties. 
but I think Livingston, it was just enough. It was that sort of physical, uh, jumping into him a wee bit, but not not mm. so much that the referee felt he could give a penalty. But he's going to have to expect that because everybody sees what, what a threat he is at set pieces. Uh, well, I think he's what, on, on nine goals for the, for the calendar year, I think, off the top of my head. So, I mean, that's, that's a huge amount of goals for a centre-back. It's unbelievable, really. Um, they're two. They're, looking at both defences, they're two big, powerful defences in the middle. Do you think the Guile and McNulty for United, and just Lee Griffith's natural sort of instinct for space and hmm. and a chance could be a big test for both defences. I think so because there's no real Dundee. Have obviously got Killing Sheridan. Uh, in reserve, but neither team has like the big physical presence up the top of the park, do they? Um, so that, I, that'll be interesting uh, to see who, who can get to grips with the nippy wee striker. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, abs- you're absolutely right about that physical, the, you know, the physical presence up front. I mean, McNulty isn't a physical striker, is he? And, and mm. as far as I can see, well, he's the, the man with the number nine yeah. jersey. He's labelled the number nine striker. Um, so he will be the, the focal point for the attack and it's from the Dundee United defensive perspective, you know, they've, they've got Charlie Milgrew, who's very, I, I spoke about composure earlier on, I think composure is a word that follows him about, he's very composed, um, very solid, but does no, he fancy Griffiths against... well too, doesn't he? He does, he does, yeah, he <laughs> definitely does, yeah, the pair, I mean, the pair of them played a lot of games together at Celtic and, um, and probably played for Scotland together as well, so you will know what kind of runs Lee Griffiths makes, but a Lee Griffiths that's fit, focused, uh, on his game, he causes any defence problems. Yeah, you know, he's got that thing. Like you say, when he's when he's fully fit and and sharp, he's a he's a penalty box striker. But he can also peel off and score from the edge of the area. So he could be a nightmare to mark. I mean, how how fit did he look, George? In general, he's obviously going to need games to get sharpness. In general, fitness, he looked he looked okay. Uh, he had a, a few proper long sprints where he was chasing a long ball and, and it didn't look like, like there was any worries on that. Played the full 90 minutes. Obviously, he's going to tire a bit, but he didn't look like he was out on his feet or anything like that. Um, it was it just the sharpness. He, afterwards, his first 90 minutes for two years or something like that. Something like that, yeah, because he'd played a lot of sub-games last season for Celtic. I was amazed how many appearances he actually made for Celtic last season. But a lot of them were from the bench. So aye, that's probably about right. Um, so all had done him good. In terms of the sharpness, you could just see the f- in the first half. There was a couple of times he got it in a, around about the half halfway uh, line, and he just you could see his brain just wasn't quite working at the speed that it usually does when he was at in full flow. And his decision just took a wee bit longer, and he held on to the ball and he didn't pass it, and that sort of stuff's just going to come with the game time, really. And it felt like goals will come as soon as he gets that. Uh, he doesn't look like. To me, there's no real worry in, in terms of that sort of the side of things from him, which is obviously in his past. It's, it has been a worry, but it looks like getting game time that you're going to get goals. I mean, see, from a football perspective, I would absolutely love Griffiths to go and score a barrel load of goals for Dundee, get himself back in that Scotland side, because to me, he's the most natural uh, finisher that Scotland could have in their team. So Definitely. So if yeah. he could get a run of goals for 10, 15, 15 goals for Dundee, 
get a run of games, regular ninety minutes. He's got to be right back in that Scotland yeah, squad, and he's I got to be given given his his career record and his his performances for Scotland in the past. If he if he puts it together for three or four months, he must be a contender again. Uh, you think it's not been that long since he was in the Scotland team? Which I could have forgot that he took a penalty in Serbia. That was his last. I think that was his last kick yeah. for Scotland Aye. so far, which isn't that long ago, really. Well, he missed out in the Euros, obviously, but you feel like definitely if he can get himself back to, back up to speed, then Steve Clark will be watching him. Did you sense from you obviously spoke to him a few times recently? Did you sense that that determination that you know he wants to prove a point to people? And, and obviously, James McPeak's one of his good friends from football, yeah. so that was obviously a, a deciding factor in, in going to Dundee in the first place. But do you sense that he's he's a man driven and determined to really make it? To, to, to grasp this opportunity definitely I think um, although it's it was a pain to point out that he was fed up with saying I've got a point to prove uh, I think he'd said it about 15 times or something he was uh, want to do his his football do the talking as they say um, but you could sense that he was happy to be there it was it's obviously he knows the place he knows the manager very well the manager understands the type of character he is uh, it may have uh, to manage him at times, um, but no, it feels like it's the right place for him. He's obviously, obviously, Hibs came in late uh, with, with a, a loan bid for him. Had he gone there, he would he wouldn't have been first choice, would he? He'd have been in behind uh, Nisbet and, and Deutsch when when he comes back. Dundee's going to be the main man. They're looking at him for goals and. You'd think that you know, kind of that uh, responsibility, he might respond to that. It's quite interesting given, that, it's, given that, from that it was Hibs and Dundee in the end, because that's possibly the two places in his career where he's felt most <laughs> loved. I did wonder that, yeah. It's popular, I'm, I'm sure, it's very popular yeah. and rightly so at Celtic, but he, he's been up and down at Celtic, uh-huh. largely it was because the two of teams, his own doing. If you'd picked two teams for him, then it'd be those two, wouldn't it? Also says a lot for McPeak that I mean he is a Hibs fan. It yeah. says a lot for his relationship with McPeak that he just wouldn't he wouldn't countenance going to Hibs in the end. Well, that's a, he said that he'd he'd already said to James McPeak I'm coming. So I think the Hibs Hibs sent him in late and he said Hibs didn't phone me. Didn't they didn't get in touch to they, they just put in the offer to Celtic. Nothing else happened. So he was like I've I've already said to. Maybe they thought he wasn't using his phone these days. Well, James Vick said he can get a hold of him, so uh, maybe they tried him at the wrong time. Right, to to go back to the derby in general, looking, as I say, looking from further than you two, uh, for both teams, a victory makes it a decent start to the season. Which one's going to get it? Well, I'll go with us. You I go first, you and I. I'm staying away from that. I actually, I, and I hate. <laughs> I sound like I'm sitting on the fence, right? I'm going to try to to do the the most exciting sitting on the fence here. Um, I think it'll be eight. a draw, right? But I don't think it'll be a nil nil draw because I think that both McNulty and Griffiths are going to find their shooting boots at the weekend. I think it'll be two each, uh, and it'll be really exciting end to end stuff. And the fans will be on their feet the whole game. Uh, and there'll be a red card, and it'll be—it'll just be full. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be, a, it'll be one of the greatest derbies for a long time. But it'll be a draw. Oh God, you've set that up now. Uh, first goal wins it for me. Is that enough for off the fence? Yeah, but know. who scores it, George? Oh uh, well, 
That's the thing. I Come think on. it's really close, to be honest. That's... Splinter's in your it's difficult because I, I think. Oh, I think Dundee have got the better uh, attacking lineup, but they obviously haven't been scoring. That's the that's been the big issue. Um, and United are pretty good at keeping clean sheets. They're keeping teams out, as we've said. So I think it's really tough to call. Um, Do you know that the last goalless derby was on? He said, looking at his notes, August the thirty first, two thousand and two. And I really, I there's only that's, that's the only one in thirty years. I I must have been at that one in August. Tom, are you setting us up for a you setting us up for a boring nil nil draw now? Is that yeah. what you're doing here? You're setting up to just like you're, are you just giving us that line so that that can be written into written into the reports at the weekend? Yeah. Or, or Tam Tam told us that <laughs> yes. yeah, that that's perfect. You'll just write that into your Start report. Start courtesy of Tam Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't I can't remember that game at all. I actually only remember one goalless derby, and it was at Tannadice back. In, and I remember Robert Connor playing for Dundee that day. And that's how long ago it was. But it is it is a fixture that tends to produce goals, and mm-hmm. hopefully that will be the case uh, on Sunday. Oh, it's Sunday! It's a noon kickoff, eh? Oh yeah, absolutely. Twelve o'clock. Yeah, and you you maybe saw earlier in the week that I spoke to Ryan Gold, and he's he's, he's got to watch it. He's got to watch it at four o'clock in the morning. So I mean, he's not the only one. Obviously, there's a lot of expats, Dundee, Dundee United fans that will be tuning in at that time over there. Say, but but yeah, four o'clock in the morning, getting up to watch a football match. That's a uh, that's dedication for you. <laughs> How's he enjoying Canada? I th- do you know he seems really settled? I mean, he's got off to an amazing start there. You know, I mean, he'd, at the point when, when I spoke to him, they, they were un, they'd won the last four games. They were unbeaten in ten. He's won a few man of the matches. I think he scored he scored a couple of goals. He's won man. He's, he's looking the part. He looks really happy, really settled. Um, I think it's possibly for his perspective. He'll say it's been the best move he'd made, and he was very very clear at paints to to point out that even though there was a lot of clubs looking for him in the summer. He wasn't going to base his next move on potentially getting in the Scotland squad because um, he said it didn't happen for me last season and I had an amazing uh, season at a club that got relegated and he was still one of the top scorers and top assisters in the Portuguese league. So um, I think he's quite right. You know, he's somebody obviously that that likes to live abroad and I don't know if we'll see him playing in Scottish football again. I think the the way he talks, I think think his next move will be to another foreign club if he moves away from, from Vancouver. So... Yeah, I remember him as a kid. He was always very clear about that. He felt that uh, in terms of experience in life and development as a footballer, he wanted to go abroad. So it was no surprise when he got the chance to go to Portugal that he jumped at it. Yeah, it's, it's quite impressive, Tim, when you think about it. When you look at us as a country, and when we take it away from football, in general terms, there's not many Scots that go abroad and then they settle abroad. You know, they might go for the odd year or here, or they might go for the odd few months, but quite often we go home. So, I mean, maybe it's testament to the fact we've got a beautiful country. It's a brilliant place to live. There are a lot of nice people in this country, and well, home is your home, but... And there's um, no food I'm, better I'm, than chips. Oh, and tatty scones <laughs> and iron brew. I mean, you can't get them abroad, can you? Where, so, I mean, where else can you go for these culinary delights? <laughs> although, although Ryan Gold did point out that his club managed to get him some bottles of iron brew that he, he sneaked away after his signing conference, and he said he didn't tell the nutritionist that he'd taken some bottles of iron brew away. But I mean, we all know it's a great hangover cure, don't we? So, um, <laughs> so wherever you go, yeah, you need iron brew. But I'm impressed by anyone that goes away 
tries to look abroad, um, tries to integrate, and I mean he's he's, he's fully conversant in Portuguese now, and um, and I think one of the easier out, languages to speak. No, not at all. And and he went out. Let's not forget, he went out at the age of eighteen, Tam. Yeah. I mean, you're going away from home at the age of eighteen to a foreign country. You don't speak the language where. Let's be honest, maybe a lot of people in Portugal don't speak English as well, so he was thrown right in at the deep end, but is a lot of people would expect he'll be back within six months or something, but I mean, he was out in Portugal for the best part of seven years, save for a, a short spell back in Edinburgh with hips that didn't quite work out. Which isn't know, so. real Scotland anyway, is it? Oh, it's Edinburgh. But I lived in Edinburgh. I prefer, I've always said this. I've, I, I grew up near Glasgow. I prefer Glasgow as a, as a city. I lived in Edinburgh. I still prefer Glasgow, but you know, up this part of the world's the best part of the world, to be honest with you. The northeast of Scotland around this area is the best part of the world to live in. So, I won't disagree with you there. Talking around gold moves us uh, conveniently on, if you like, to, the, to, to, to rounding up the other business in the final few minutes. That was obviously Scotland. Uh, Scotland's improving form over the three World Cup games. It was... Uh, after the Denmark game, it was a relief, wasn't it? Ah, we needed that. I think the, the, I was. I have to say, even though, I, well, I'm going to blow my own trumpet here, but the other boys said we're all getting four points from those three games, and I said we're getting six. So well, we have a minute here. And you said that you said they were going to draw. I listened to that. You said they were no. going to draw in Denmark. All right. Okay. Maybe. Maybe, a pen I, and a bit maybe of I went too far. Did I? In Denmark. I thought I'd said we were going to get six points. No, well, there we go. Well, they, they, could, they could still get six points, but you thought, you thought well, they couldn't get six points if they drew, but you, you thought they could take something in Denmark. That was just... You and yeah, I know, I, I mean, I know call, uh, from knowing you of old, you know, you actually have seen a lot of Scotland fans in the... Uh, sorry, a lot of Scotland matches uh, in the yeah. flesh as a fan, as, as well as yeah. a journalist. You know what mm-hmm. struck me about the Austria game? That's... As a fan, that's what I'm crying out for. Uh, they did have Absolutely. to hang on the last 20 minutes or so, but if they'd, even if they'd have lost two late goals and it was disappointing, what I always want to come away with from a, an international match is they had a go and gave themselves their best chance of winning. Mm. And I thought, well, playing a smart game, they did that. And that's really all you ask, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, you're right. I've been in 21 Tartan Army trips abroad and it was about seven or eight games before in on away trips. I've, I've seen us lose 4-0 to Norway, losing in Lithuania and places like that before I actually saw us win a game. But we won 1-0 in Paris for my first ever victory with James McFadden scoring that wonder goal. So, um, I remember and- speaking to my mate Lillian Turam about that game. I oh, your pal, <laughs> uh, I, will, I, will ask, I spoke to my pal Thierry on you as well, <laughs> point as well. But yeah, but you know, you're right. You're, the point you're making is right, though, about Scotland. I, you want them to have a go. That's that's all we ask for. And, and Scotland, I was along at the Scotland game against Moldova on Saturday as a fan with my son. And okay, it was 1 0 and we scraped a win. But do you know, we, at least we had a go. Yeah. You know, at least we had a go, and we got hmm. the result, and we got the job done. But the Austria game was a level up. And do you know what I've watched over and over and repeat and repeat is John McGinn in the last dying seconds of that <laughs> game when he picks up the ball yeah. and he runs towards the penalty box. He says, "Nah, I'm not going to have a go at your goal because I just want to kill time here. I'll just yeah. keep the ball and and run about and take it to corner flag." And then he gets fouled. And then that's that's the level of experience that we need in that Scotland. Well, I thought he was going for the Gareth Bale. Uh, mind Gareth Bale did yeah, that along the line I thought that for a minute yeah, scored. But I thought oh, don't, don't even try that uh, 
you know, but no, I, I I wasn't expecting that. I have to say, I thought Austria would be. I thought we could maybe get a draw out there, but yeah. And although I, I have I to say, when the coach l- just lost the dressing room, or or the the coach believes he's he's lost the, the you know the faith of his employers, but I thought he the the German guy. I can't remember his name, but he's standing on the sideline looking like this yeah. might be the yeah. end. I know. It, I wasn't hugely impressed with him in the Euros. I have to say, um, I thought they played Alaba in the wrong place, considering he's by far their best player. But um, well, they do have that thing. You saw in the Euros, well, you saw against Scotland. He, he, he'll play at left back, and then they're behind. He doesn't track and back. Then he comes in. He comes ah. in the field, and that's as as well as as well as well. Why don't you start him in a more advanced central position in the first exactly. place? You're you're moving people around to accommodate him, and to me, yes, wherever he plays, you know, at club level, for Austria, he's got to be more central because he's their best he's, player. And yeah, he's got to be man. But I think um, Stephen O'Donnell was superb for us. And, yeah. Well, yeah. Until I until he got the ball, <laughs> that was the, that was the the final ball or shot. He had a good shot in the second half, but he got so much space because Alaba just wasn't there. Uh, at times, I think I think maybe if he just had a wee bit more composure with his, his final ball, we could have we could have won that two 0 three 0 George, I think I'm in your camp with Stephen O'Donnell here as well. You know, oh, I, I think he gets yeah. so die. He gets so much criticism when people, and he's limited as a player, but he knows his limitations. I mean, yeah. his his interview yeah. after the game at Wembley, I thought was one of the most honest, composed interviews you'll ever see. You know, he's been getting a lot of stick from people, but he didn't have a go at the people. He accepted that. He met it head on, and and he knows that he's not. It's not. I mean, we've got players like Kieran Tierney and Andy Robertson that clearly are world class in their position. And Stephen O'Donnell knows that he's not at that level. But as a defender and as a player that gives their all for their for their side, you, you can't That's ask more from yeah. him. And it's like exactly. Tam saying earlier on: we want players that are going to give everything. And I think Stephen O'Donnell does. You know, so I'm in his camp. Along, I don't know you're in oh, his camp. So well. am I. I, mean, I, I think I, 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 I'm always full of admiration for players who don't try things they know that are beyond them I hate I hate guys mm. shooting from 30 yards when I think you've never you've never scored a goal in your life son why are you shooting from there if you could score from there you wouldn't be you wouldn't be at the club you were probably but Stephen O'Donnell he sticks to what he knows and what would what we started off speaking about Scotland I mean, against Austria you had the shot that I think pulled the goalkeeper had a decent save and you actually saw him because he's he's been injured recently hasn't he you saw ah, he, was he physically yeah. struggled. He, he was trying his best, but he physically struggled to put one leg in front of the other for about thirty seconds because he 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 put so much in. And as I say, I'm not wanting them all running about daft, flying into tackles and and shooting from everywhere. But it's just that it it was so refreshing and encouraging to see. Well, they did their best and they gave themselves their best chance of winning. And on another night, it, it, it might not have come off, but it's it's it. it you think well, we've got a chance if we if we play the right way and have the right attitude and try to win. You, you're always going to have a chance, and it's because uh, they do have some decent players. Yeah, I think they've, I think they've, Steve Clark 
like him or love him as a manager, right? He's n- we're never going to be the most exciting, expansive uh, side under Steve Clark. Like we, we accept that, but I think what he's done is he's cultivated a team spirit where all the all the players want to turn up for international duty, which is always the the big tick in the box. Because in the past we had players that were oh, I've, oh my my legs feeling a wee bit sore, I'm not fit, but then they appeared for their club at the weekend, you know. So. We had an awful lot of that in yeah. the past. We don't have that now. Hmm. Players want to be in the Scotland camp, so that's a big tick in the box. The other big tick in the box is when they're out in the park, they're giving their absolute all. And he does seem to have this winning. He seems to be able to just produce results at the right time. So, you know, I think, I mean, he, put, he pulled it out of the bag at Wembley. Okay, we didn't win and we didn't end up qualifying from our group, but everybody was writing us off thinking we're going to go down to England and get hammered. Yeah. But we were the better side on the night. And, and I think... There was something that changed between between the disappointment in Denmark and and the the, the victory, the subsequent win over Moldova, where they got the job done. They just did enough to get the job done, and then it was in another lift again to the Austria game. And I think it's I think he's got something there, and I think he's a motivator. And okay, it was a bit of a siege mentality with his press conference afterwards, and he's having a go at the media um, as well as they as they like to do, but. That's probably part of it. It's probably part of the, you know, let's we're all in this together, yeah. you know, it's one fight, you know. So um I'm, I always I'm, interested I feel to me this, confident. this Scotland squad, the number of times somebody misses the first game of a series, like the the three the other week there. But I mean my recollection of Scotland squads are if you if you weren't there for the first training session, that was you. Hmm. You wouldn't be involved in the games. But the number of times guys miss games I'll, I'll miss the first game but they'll play they'll, they'll be involved in the second game or in this instance the third game as well that's great to see that's a great that, that that's a great attitude that they're they're still going to join up or or, or they have to make sort of different travel arrangements because the squad's away somewhere and they join up and it, like you say it's a great attitude to see yeah I agree I, I, I definitely think that that's that's the big thing for me if you're if you're a Scotland fan you're watching games you want players that want to be on the park and want to and want to, and want to play with the same level of passion that you would display if you were good enough to play on the park with that jersey and that and if you get that and they don't win then you accept it and I think Scotland fans are are fairly patient supporters as well they didn't turn on the team in the Moldova game even though they were struggling to get the goals you know there was a there was a lull for about 10 15 minutes when almost there was a nervousness crept in about the 65th minute mark um, and we were a wee bit panicky. But then in the last 10 minutes, they got right behind the team. And, and okay, people wanted us to come away and are saying it's Moldova. Why, you know, Denmark beat them 8-0. You know, why are we, why are we struggling to, to come away with 1-0? But they're still very patient fans and they will be very forgiving if players are turning up desperate to play for the country and give their all and maybe they just fall short. Um, Israel's going to be difficult though, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I think they're a different... They're a different uh, level, I think, from Austria, to be honest. With but me. we're at home, though. That's uh, I will take that all day long. A home game to set us up. If we win that, then but we're they played each other so often recently. Oh, second. I know they probably fall asleep. I have to wake them up before the game. <laughs> after the one, it's come on, lads. It's, uh, it's them it's again. Them again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Ah, well, we'll win. Linden Dykes one nil. That's yeah. that's what that's all we do these days. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to. I'm just looking forward to Andy Robertson lifting the World Cup next year. That's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking about. I think that's a point where we really should end and get you and some help. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be nice Christmas. Christmas in Qatar with Andy Robertson in the World Cup. Oh, what a Christmas card that would be. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd have that pinned up in my bedroom wall. That'd be, that'd be forever. 
Andy Robertson holding a World Cup on a Christmas card. I'd have it pinned to my chest. <laughs> I'd hug it. <laughs> anyway, enough of my peccadillos. Thanks, guys. It's been nice to be back and to be chatting with you. And we better, uh, we better call it a day now, because at my age, I need a nap after an hour or so's work. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tannadice, or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>